It's always good to be with you. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances and uh, hope that uh, Pastor Nathan gets fully recovered soon. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 13, as we begin with the 17th verse. Exodus 13, verses 17 through 22. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearer. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham, Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to humor me just for a moment, and I want you to reach into your pocket or your purse and take out a coin or a bill and examine that coin or bill. Look at both sides of it. And even though you may have uh, different uh, currencies, different bills and different coins, there's something unique about all of those. What is it? The words in God we trust are on all of those bills and coins. In God we trust. It was in 1864 that the first time that that motto or that phrase was used on a two-cent piece. 1864. In 1956, President Dwight Eisenhower signed into law making the motto, In God We Trust, legal, the, the nation's legal motto, In God We Trust. In 1957, that motto appeared on all of the coins and, and uh, bills and, and the like. Now, my guess is that if those who push to have that as our official motto were doing so today, it's a good chance that it would not pass. 
in light of the change of minds and attitudes. In God we trust. That's what I want to speak to you about today. And I raise the question, do we? Do we really trust God? And another question, and I'm not being flippant or sacrilegious when I say it, why should we trust God? The wife of a missionary wrote back to her pastor in the States concerning a personal crisis through which uh, she was passing. She said, I feel as though I am walking a tightrope and one false step means disaster. There are many ways that we could describe our life today. There are many circumstances we find ourselves facing from time to time that perhaps makes us feel as though we are uh, walking a tightrope. Maybe something uh, hung between two skyscrapers in a big city and one false step means disaster. In those moments of desperation, we find ourselves looking in virtually every direction to find the direction we need for life itself. We look to our political leaders to get our country out of disastrous situations. And yet today, the tendency is to lead us into disastrous situations rather than leading us out of them. We look to law enforcement to keep our communities safe and provide leadership. We seek our, out our religious leaders to provide moral clarity and, and direction. But unfortunately, each of these groups has failed us from time to time. However, the marvelous truth is that our Lord has the ability to lead us down the right paths of life. Now, it is up to us to follow that leadership. In the account in Exodus that we read just a moment ago, we learned some very valuable lessons about the leadership that God provided Moses and in turn provided the children of Israel as they escaped Egyptian captivity. For one, God's leadership is recognizable. Why should we follow God? Why should we trust in God? because his leadership is recognizable. God gave Moses and the people of Israel visible evidence of his leadership on their behalf. As they departed the land of Egypt, God went before them, as the scripture clearly tells us, in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. These were more than just visible realities. The scripture tells us that God was in those. As the people followed the cloud and the fire, they were actually following God himself. He gave them visible, recognizable evidence of his leadership. This leadership was essential. Now, they had a leader. 
Moses was their leader. He had been set aside for this very purpose, and he had gone to the children of Israel. He had performed through, uh, God had used Moses to perform various miracles before Pharaoh. They had a, a deliverer, a leader. Moses knew these things that would help bring them to the promised land, but he was not trusted. The generation of Hebrews that Moses led out of Egypt never did fully trust him. Anytime something didn't go of their liking, they turned against Moses with complaints and charges. They were scarcely out of the, the countryside or out of the cities of, of Egypt when they ran into uh, problems and began to complain. Sometimes we have to earn the people's trust. It doesn't come automatically. Moses was in that position. The people never accepted Moses' leadership. When things went wrong, the people turned on Moses. God knew how important it was for the people to know that more than Moses was leading them. Therefore, God provided a tangible sign, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to show them that he could be counted on to lead them into the promised land. How can you and I recognize God's leadership? Quite obviously, we need it as badly as the children of Israel coming out of Egyptian slavery needed it. Whether we recognize it or not, we need it every bit as much as they did. But we can't look up into the sky and see a, a cloud or a pillar of fire and follow that. That's not the way God operates today. But how can we know the right way? Is there a substitute for the cloud and the fire for our lives today? Well, the answer is, yes, there is. There has been since the day of Pentecost. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. He said, as recorded in John chapter 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another counselor, your version may say comforter, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He added in John chapter 16, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus promise to give his disciples another one who could comfort them and lead them in the same path and in the same direction that he had led them. There are four beacons that the Holy Spirit uses to guide his saints today. First of all, there's the beacon of the inner impression which the Holy Spirit gives us when we earnestly pray and seek His direction and His guidance. You may refer to it as that still, small voice. 
You've had that to direct you, you, have you not? You've listened to that occasionally, perhaps ignored it, ignored it some, but you have had that inner small voice speaking to you, giving you directions and guidance. The Holy Spirit uses that. Secondly is the beacon of opportunity or the open door the Spirit provides for us. Now you have to be careful, not every door that's opened is one you're to go through, and you need to be careful about that, but God does use the Holy Spirit to direct us through the open doors that He provides for us. That's one of the ways He directs us. Thirdly, there's the beacon of others. God puts in our path those individuals who can give us guidance and direction and keep us on the right path. And again, you need to be careful that that person is in tune to God's will. But he puts others in our path to direct us. And then finally, there's the beacon of Scripture which the Spirit interprets. Become, if you are not already, become a student of God's Word because it has the answers for us today. It was just this morning, I glanced at Facebook and noted that Lyndon Bodie, some of you know Lyndon, Lyndon uh, had posted a, a picture of a Bible with the caption at the top, it has all of our answers. We need to be careful in reading the scripture, I'm reminded of the gentleman who was rather despondent, uh, rather dejected and depressed, and he was in a, a motel room, and he found a Gideon Bible, and he thought to himself, well, you know, I've always heard that the Bible has the answers for you, and, and I'm going to see that. And so he opened the Bible, and he put his finger on the verse that it said, and Judas went out and hanged himself. He thought, oh, no. Uh, maybe I better give that another shot. And he turned the pages over, put his finger down again, and it said, go and do thou likewise. You need to be careful uh, that you're following the right verses. Some of you will get that later in the day there, okay. <laughs> Psalm 16, says, God will make known to me the path of life. God will make known to me the path of life. So today we have the recognizable evidence of God's leadership if we'll simply look for it. But secondly, God's leadership is not only recognizable, but it is reasonable. God led Moses and the Israelites in a roundabout way out of Egypt. He had told Moses in, in the beginning there at the burning bush that he was going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, into Canaan. But when God led the people to freedom, he led them not the opposite direction to Canaan, but certainly a different direction. It was not the most direct route. And the reason that he led them in the opposite direction was basically twofold. First of all, he did it because he knew that if they went northeast, 
that they would go through the land of the Philistines and as a result of that there would be a war and he knew that a people with a slave mentality were not up to war. So he led them in a different direction. The second reason God didn't lead them in the most direct route was because they needed the experience at Mount Sinai. There they could learn who they really were, and more importantly, they could learn who God is. And they needed that before going into Canaan. There are times when God's ways seem so unreasonable. I'm confident that some of the Israelites had a good idea where Canaan was, and they knew that they were not going the direct route. Now, I want you to think about this. It was, a, it was 220 miles from Egypt to Canaan. 220 miles. If they traveled 10 miles a day, now there were, a, this was a large group, so they're going to move slowly. But if they traveled 10 miles a day from Hannibal to New London, 10 miles a day, they could have made that trip in 20 days, 22 days. 220 miles. If they traveled five miles a day, they could make it in 44 days. If they traveled but one mile a day, they could make it in 220 days, just over seven months. And yet it took them 40 years. Sometimes God's leadership seems unreasonable to us as well. But why? Why does God take us in a direction that sometimes seems contrary to where we think we should go? Well, the answer to those questions may not always be clear to us. And there's no crime in asking the question, why this way? But the important thing for us to remember is that God knows what we need and the direction we need to go. Our job is to follow. In God's plan, there are no coincidences. In 1966, during the earliest days of the kidney transplant, Joe Stickley witnessed a series of events where he could see God's hand at work in the life of a, one particular man. Stickley was the member of the transplant team in a very large, busy hospital. The plan was in place for a man by the name of Don to receive one of the kidneys from his brother, Ray, on a Wednesday. Well, on Monday morning, Ray was beginning his scheduled kidney dialysis four floors below the uh, surgery suite. At the same time, a man in his mid-30s entered the emergency room in cardiac arrest. The intern, who had just spent the previous month as part of the kidney transplant team, recognized the man to be Ray's brother, Don. 
When his frantic efforts to save Don failed, the intern continued CPR, hoping to save the kidney until they could locate uh, Ray in order to do uh, the transplant. His staff called Stickley's uh, surgery suite and was stunned to learn that not only were there two surgery rooms suddenly available, but the younger brother was in the building there receiving his dialysis. The medical staff painfully explained to Ray that his brother had fallen gravely ill at work and they were unable to survive him and revive him. With the two brothers side by side in adjoining operating rooms, the kidney was removed from Don and successfully implanted into Ray. In a big city hospital, only by the grace of God could two surgical suites be empty. On a busy Monday morning, the kidney transplant team be in the operating room, the kidney recipient be in the hospital, and the intern recognized the one who was having the heart attack. When God is in control, there are no coincidences. Even though life doesn't always work the way it did with Ray and Don, we must always remember that God knows what he's doing when he leads. And though his leadership may seem unreasonable at times, and perhaps even strange to us, he knows what's best. If we put our trust in his leadership, we'll discover that he doesn't make mistakes. And he'll lead us down the path that's best for us. Well, third and finally, God's leadership is reliable. God faithfully led the people of Israel all the way to the promised land. In Numbers chapter 9, the Bible says that Israel camped when the clouds stopped and descended on the tabernacle. They stayed there until the cloud lifted and moved on. God was leading them every step of the way. He didn't start out with them, get them a halfway there and then say, okay, you're on your own. And he doesn't do that to us either. This wasn't an overnight journey. This was a journey that took 40 years and God was with them all of the while, every step of the way. You and I can trust God to lead us. Unfortunately, we've learned that not all people can be trusted to lead us in the right direction. At times it seems that in our nation's capital we have men and women trying to lead us when they themselves don't know which way to go. Jesus referred to people like this when he said about the Pharisees, it's like the blind leading the blind. I'm confident that we've all had people who tried to give us advice and in reality you and I might have known more about the situation than they did. And yet they're offering the advice. But God can be trusted because his leadership is reliable. And there are several reasons why he can be trusted to lead us in the right direction. First of all, our Lord knows the end of the way from the beginning. 
You know, anybody can see the starting line. We don't always see the finish line. But we can rest assured that God knows the end as well as the beginning. Secondly, his leadership is reliable because he has our best interest at heart. The Lord doesn't do anything with a selfish motive, but rather with our best interest in mind. And thirdly, God's leadership is reliable because he'll go with us and stay with us every step of the way until the journey ends. And I share this story in closing. In the Swiss Alps, there's a little village famous for its mountain guides. In the center of the village, there is a statue of an alpine guide, and the statue stands some 15 feet tall. It depicts the, the, the guide with his hobnailed boots and his pointed hat and his rope over his shoulder, ready to climb. And the statue of the alpine guide has the arm raised, pointing in the direction of the highest peak in sight, and at the base of that statue are the words, follow me. I've been there before. God says to us, follow me. I've been there before. His leadership is reliable. There are people who are caught in the midst of some personal crisis and they feel like they're walking a, a tightrope. I suggest to you that if you want to follow the direction of the one who will lead you down the right path, Jesus Christ is that one. The writer of the Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. His leadership is recognizable, reasonable, and reliable. Our job is to trust him. Our sending him is hymn number 286.